Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Three decks of rowers pull hard one final time as the reinforced prow of the Athenian trireme smashes into the flank of the Spartan warship. Into the wreckage of splintered wood, flames, smoke, and whistling arrows leaps a noble Athenian warrior, fearlessly leading his men into the clash of arms. He wears a golden helmet adorned with a bright red horsehair plume, carries a gleaming iron spear, and deflects a Spartan javelin with a golden shield studded with glittering jewels. He fights his way through the enemy, cutting down mighty Spartans who fall beneath his relentless attack. This is Alcibiades, and the Spartans hate him. Not only because he has led armies against them for over a decade, but because he used to serve them, to lead them in battle, but fled their country after allegedly having an affair with their queen. He betrayed them, as he betrayed the Athenians once, and almost certainly will do again. And even though the noble philosopher Socrates has many glowing things to say about the beauty and intelligence of Alcibiades, there are also stories that he once profaned the mysteries of Eleusis and pulled the penises off statues of the gods during an irresponsible night of drunken partying. This is Alcibiades. He is the biggest jerk in the classical age, but he is also a badass. Hello, and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. Pat. Hey, hello, badasses. Hey, we are kind of, we're working our way through the list of people that I'd want to invite to a keg party. We've talked about Peter the Great, we've talked about Jack Churchill, and we're going to talk about another, like, famous party kind of eccentric weirdo from history um and this is one that i i'm very excited about uh it's it's a character from from the classical age of of athens and greece that is a uh, pat he's a little bit of a, a little bit of a nut bar <laughs> he is a little bit of a nut bar which means that he is full of uh protein and fiber yes <laughs> on the one hand you would want to invite him to a keg party on the other hand if you're the one hosting the keg party you might not want to invite him because there might be property damage. Yeah, that's true. You would want to invite him to a keg party at someone else's house. Yes. Someone <laughs> who is very, very, very chill. Yes. Someone you do not plan on remaining friends with after the party. <laughs> uh, yeah. You were telling you were telling a yeah. you were telling me a story earlier that you had mentioned to a, a fellow classicist that we were going to talk about. Uh, about this guy, and um, and I, I'm gonna preface right now. I I have always read his name as Alcibiades. I don't know if that's entirely accurate because uh, of the the. I don't know if that's how they would have said it in ancient Greece. But you have said um, you told me that you mentioned that we were gonna write about Alcibiades to one of your fellow classicists, and she had some thoughts about it. <laughs> She did. Yes. Uh, shout out to Robin. Um, and I mentioned to my fellow classicist, Robin, that uh, you and I, Ben, were going to talk about Alcibiades on Badass of the Week. And she said that she didn't think of him so much as a badass as just a plain old ass. <laughs> Which is what I like about it. It was one of the things he's one of like the biggest jerks in, in classical history. And so I always he's yeah. just this kind of mayhem, like this agent of chaos. And I, I think he's 
I think he's awesome. And we're going to get into a bunch of reasons why, yeah. why he's cool. Yeah. Is, uh, but before we get going, um, is Alcibiades the correct pronunciation? It is one of the correct pronunciations. Okay. So in Greek, um, Alcibiades, you might have pronounced it something more like Akabiades, because the letter that we see as C, the letter C is in cookie or, I don't know, circle or mm -hmm. something. Um in English, we pronounce it as a soft C, Alcibiades. And in Greek, that would actually have been represented by the letter kappa, which is the letter K, which is just the hard K sound. Mm -hmm. So Alcibiades. Now, the thing is, with a lot of these names from ancient Greek sources, some of the names are so well known in English that they basically get anglicized. Alcibiades is totally a legit way to pronounce his name when you're talking about him in English. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. I don't think I can yeah. really fight that. Yeah, yeah. I do like the, yeah, do the interesting like changing of names like while we're yeah. kind of talking about that. The um they translated the first badass book into Spanish, which was really cool. Uh, and it was very interesting because for the more modern characters in the book, they kept the names the same. But for the ancient stuff, the, the classical Greeks and the ancient Romans, they changed it. So Julius Caesar oh. became Julio Cesar and Alexander the Great became Alejandro el Grande. You know, Alejandro El Grande. Yeah, yeah. William the Conqueror was yeah. uh, uh, Guillermo El Conquistador, which I thought was cool. Ooh, Guillermo <laughs> El Conquistador. Yeah, pretty sweet. It does have a nice ring to it. I know, yeah. I like it. Yeah. The book, the, the, the book in, you know, I wasn't sure how they would translate the word badass into Spanish, but the book is called uh, Los Mas Duros de la Historia. Los Mas Duros. Okay. So, Mas Duros, like, what is that? Like the, like the, the hardest hard, guys, yeah. the hardest people. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, Los Mas Duros, it kind of has the same ring to it as badasses, Los Mas Duros. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it with yeah. the, with the whole, you got to, there's a performative aspect to the Los Masduros, I imagine. You have to have the pronunciation. Los Masduros. You, you have to roll yeah. some R's in there or something. Los Masduros. Los Masduros. Yeah. <laughs> I like Olé. it. Okay. Well, but we're not here to talk about Los... Well, I guess we are here to talk, talk about Los Masduros de la Historia. But uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about a character from, from Greek history who... Oh, he was quite a character. He was a character. He was a guy who um, changed allegiances based on who liked him and who was sick of his attitude. He's a, a war I mean, hero. He's a, legit. Yeah. But he is also a war hero. He was like, we, we led the episode saying, who would we invite to a keg party if we weren't the ones actually hosting the keg party? But the thing is, this guy, like he had, you know, two neurons to rub together. He had a brain. He had a certain amount of competence in the military arena. He had competence and he had a yeah. lot of confidence as well. Uh, <laughs> he was yes, extremely yes. confident about his competence, sometimes mm -hmm. to a detrimental amount. Okay, yeah. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's yeah. kind of like a little bit of an egomaniac, a little bit of a party animal. Um, but yeah. he's also like in a, an accomplished uh, strategist and war hero. Uh, yeah. And also like the it boy, kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone thought he was hot. Everybody thought he was hot. Everybody thought he was awesome. Yeah. OK. I have to intervene as a historian. We don't have documentary evidence that like literally everyone, like literally 100 percent of the population thought he was hot. But we have evidence that 
some of the population thought he was hot, including people mentioned in the writings of Plato. So Yes. So how about this? We could say this. 100% of the people who wrote about his attractiveness thought he was attractive. There are zero sources saying that he was not attractive. They all some there's some people who say he was a dick, but there's not some they 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 also agree that he was attractive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, none of my students are going to be listening to this episode because it's rated like whatever. It's rated not appropriate. Um, but if any of my students were going to be listening to this episode, I'm going to embarrass myself even further and say, Alcibiades had riz. <laughs> Oh, shoot, I, I don't even know what, what that means. I'm so out of touch. I think that's what like <laughs> people in the know say today. It's like short for charisma, but it's like oh. a specific type of charisma. And I'm going to wager that whatever this mysterious Riz quality is, Alcibiades had it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll go full nerd. I'll say it was an 18 charisma, you know. <laughs> that's pretty rare. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, special. 18 rare. 18 yeah. rare. So yeah, that was yeah. kind of the deal. You roll the 20-sided dice and you have to hit the number or get under it. At least in first edition d and I'm getting deep into this shit now, mm-hmm. but like, uh, <laughs> I'm getting yeah, deep yeah. into this now. But uh, yeah, you got you had to roll a 20-sided die and get the number or under. So 18 is the mm-hmm. highest you could have for your ability okay. score because there yeah. was always a chance you'd fail. Ooh, Yeah. Which does eventually happen to Alcibiades. Or actually, like his continued charisma successes end up contributing to his downfall <laughs> because he does not like to, uh, he, he just keeps making the wrong people fall in love with him and it keeps yeah. backfiring on him. Okay. Yeah. So we are, we're going to take a quick break and then um, we are going to tell the story of Alcibiades, a person who I believe is one of the, most eccentric weirdos of the classical age, probably one of the biggest jerks to ever live. Just a really, really interesting character that I'm going to argue was very badass, even though your colleague uh, might not agree. I think I can make a compelling case. I, 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 I think we're, we're open to hearing the badass hypothesis. Yeah. I sort of feel like this ship has already sailed, but heads up in case my mom happens to be listening to this episode. Um, first of all, hi, mom. And this episode contains mature content and may not be suitable for all audiences. Cough, cough, my ninth graders. Also, we might say swears, but it's about Alcibiades. So what did you expect? This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Alcibiades was born in Athens in 450 BCE. He was the son of a wealthy politician back in the golden age of Athenian democracy. Picture the guys in togas in the forum voting on things. No, no, no. no. Togas were Roman, dude. Chitons. Chitons? Yeah, yeah. That's the Greek thing. Yeah. It looks like a toga, though. I mean, like a bunch of, a bunch of cloth draped over you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A different, yeah, different yeah, yeah. way of draping it? Different way of draping it, yeah. Okay, I just learned something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Alcibiades' father died heroically in battle while Alcibiades was very young. He grew up, but he grew up in this still this wealthy family, aristocratic. Uh, they claimed lineage that traced back to the Telamonian Ajax of Homer's Iliad. Alcibiades, growing up after his father died, he lived with his uncle, who was a very famous Athenian diplomat named Pericles. Oh, wait, Pericles, Pericles. The Pericles, yeah. The, that guy. The guy, yeah, he's big deal. He's a big deal in Athenian democracy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very big deal, yes. Yeah. Um, so Alcibiades grows up, and he's in the high society of ancient Athenian social circles. He gets mentored by a guy named Socrates, who is oh, the wait, Socrates. that guy? Yes, the, the Socrates. Socrates. <laughs> yes. Yes, by Zeus. Yes, the famous, famous <laughs> Athenian philosopher... <laughs> like the, you know, the guy who kind of basically invented philosophy as we know it. Uh, yeah, he was Alcibiades' tutor. Alcibiades studied oratory, philosophy, and music. He won first place in chariot racing at the freaking Olympic Games, like the Olympic Games. <laughs> like the original Greek that took place in Olympia, Greece? Yes. Yeah. He was a gold medalist. I don't know if they gave out gold medals at the time, but he was first place at the Olympic Games in chariot racing. Uh, and as we have mentioned, he was kind of well known as the most charismatic and hottest person in all of Athens. And he was on all the magazine covers if they had had magazine covers in those days. Right. Exactly. Uh, or he, maybe the like page three fold out or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. He was he was rich. He was extravagant. He had the the nicest 
Hetons in all of Greece. Um, he was totally self-centered, so he wanted everybody to know that he was the hottest and the best. He was basically just like a complete pain in the ass to everybody all the time. Um, one time he got in trouble for uh, they were he was wrestling with another guy in like a wrestling competition and he bit the guy because he was gonna lose and he didn't want to lose. Wait, bit like with his teeth? With his teeth, yeah. He like kind of like Mike literally? Tyson. Oh. Yeah, he just kind of Mike Tyson that guy. Except he bit him in the arm. He bit a piece of that guy's arm off, and he got disqualified. Uh, but, uh, okay, he okay, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he would kind of get drunk at parties and punch aristocrats in the face in public, which was... I mean, we all want to punch aristocrats in the face, but we don't actually follow through on that. Yeah, yeah, he would do it. Yeah. So he's like, I mean, I kind of like to think of him as kind of a, a, a rock star or a, as, you know, superstar athlete, one of these kind of cover of, you know, sexiest man alive, but he's also like kind of a bad boy because he's always getting into fights and stuff, that kind of okay, thing. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Uh, he started a revolution in his music class because he really hated playing the flute. And he, oh. yeah, he had to learn how to play the flute. It was part of the musical training in Athens for men at the time, I guess, aristocrats. And he hated it and he didn't want to do it. So he wrote an entire treatise on the subject of fuck flutes. And he was okay, like, <laughs> I should intervene and say, like, the flutes in those days were different from the flutes that we think of nowadays. Like nowadays, like you're in middle school, you're in band. Okay, yeah, I'm going to learn how to play flute. And it's, it's one flute that you hold horizontally and horizontally sort of like across your right shoulder and you're like toot, 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 you know, you, you know and you play into it. And you, you know. um, but uh, the flute in those days was actually two pipes, two reeds that you would... Uh, put in your mouth and kind of stick outward, like in front of you. I've seen um, this uh, on yeah. some kind of Greek art, like the the vase paintings yeah. and stuff. They see you see satyrs and and centaurs and stuff playing this kind of thing with the two pipes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, okay, I have not actually played the ancient Greek type of flute called the aulos, but. I think what you have to do is you have to kind of puff up your cheeks and go like like a chipmunk. I don't know. Like a bike, like a bagpipe. And oh, uh, ooh, yeah. I think you have to yeah, do yeah, the bagpipes, yeah. 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 And um, you know, so now spiders didn't like that because you don't look hot when apparently you're not. And your face is all puffed up like a chipmunk. Uh he didn't it's like it. Very not hot. Yes. So or, or like huh. <laughs> I feel I, I feel like I, I should apologize to flute players. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but Alcibiades, we're, we're, we're gonna go hard. But Alcibiades went hard on flouting and flautists, and he he did not like it. He wrote an entire multi-page treatise in ancient Greek on the topic of how much he hated playing the flute. He said he looked ugly while you're playing it. He cites the fact that Apollo hated the flute, apparently. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Marcius, this guy, uh, Apollo had beef with this particular guy, Marcius, who played flutes. I don't know if Apollo's beef with flutes was about flutes per se, or if it was a beef with this one particular guy who played flutes and just kind of got transferred. I've done that before, though. If like somebody I hate really likes something, then I won't like that thing anymore just because they like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, not only Apollo, but also Athena, the goddess of wisdom, and all sorts of like arts and crafts. You'd think she'd be into the whole like music thing because it involves like skill and planning and like knowledge. But 
she tried out flutes. And this is Athena. She's the goddess of wisdom. We don't think of her as very like beauty oriented or very like vanity oriented, but she tried out these flutes. She puffed up her cheeks and she was like, oh my goodness, I look so not elegant here. I do not look like a goddess of wisdom. I look like, I don't know, like... I don't know, like, I look some sort of, like, weird off-brand Pokemon or something. I don't know. And I guess you have to kind of puff your cheeks up for tuba. Like, maybe that's kind of the vibe here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, you got yeah. to produce a ton of air. Because if you're going through two flutes at the same time, I imagine that requires a ton of air. Probably extremely difficult. And people enjoyed listening to the flute, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. But people didn't like playing them. Right. Uh, or, or, or certain very highly influential individuals did not who, like them. Who yeah. prided themselves on their looks, <laughs> yeah. all other yeah. things. Like Alcibiades, yeah. that's a common. That's going to be a common thread among the Alcibiades story here. He, he hated it. He thought he looked ugly when he was playing it. He apparently had a very good singing voice, and he thought it was a stupid instrument because you couldn't play it and sing at the same time so he didn't like it um and then the gods don't like it you know the gods that he he loves athena and apollo are very apollo especially is a very alcibiades kind of god and also athena is the patron goddess of the city of athens so you so know why are we learning flute in class this sucks i love that yeah. he hated this class yeah. so much that he made it he wrote a big long paper that exists to this day about how much he hates the flute and so he, he decided, he, he ends the, the treatise by saying flutes are, quote, for the sons of Thebes, because Thebians are such fools and bad singers and terrible conversationalists that nobody wants to hear them talk anyway, so they should just fucking play the flute. <laughs> it's an elaborate, it's a very elegant and finely crafted way of saying... Shut the F up, Thebans. Shut up, Thebes. Nobody likes you. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Al Alcibiades hated it. Um, and all the rest of his class, he was able to incite the rest of his class to kind of rebel against flute class. And not only did they not have to practice flute, but they got it removed from the Athenian curriculum entirely. Whoa. Whoa. He yeah. organized a movement. He organized a, a musical movement that removed flouting from Athenian uh, from Athenian writings. And this is like not a not a thing that I'm making up. Livy dedicates like two paragraphs to describing how bad Alcibiades hated flutes and all things related to the flute. Wow. So Livy, the Roman historian. Yes. So this is hundreds of years after Alcibiades, the Romans are writing about, hey, remember this guy and how much he hated flutes? Honestly, with 3,000 years after this, we are talking about it on a podcast that this guy hated flutes 500 years BC. <laughs> so Alcibiades, he's Alcibiading mm -hmm. all around town. He's Alcibiading you know? all over he's the like, place. Yeah, I'm he too is sexy like, for my flute. Yes. Too sexy he's, for my flute. He is yeah. too sexy for his flute, uh, but he is not too sexy for the entire rest of the Athenian population, men, women, whatever. He's got a very, I think you, you've, Phrased it really well when we did the Julie Daubigny uh, episode when you said that he had a very busy social calendar, which is a very good way of saying that. Uh, Julie Daubigny, but I think I was referring specifically to Joseph de Bologna. Yes, 
but okay so Alcibiades, as, as he had a them, busy social he life. has a yeah. very busy social life he is getting around with whoever will have him and whoever will have him is everybody uh it is strongly implied that him and socrates had a thing going on for like a decade um and some classical writers kind of go to great pains to describe that Socrates was like the only lover that Alcibiades wasn't a complete jerk to. Like, oh, no, he was good to Socrates. But, you know, all of these other aristocratic men and women of Athens, he kind of just ghosted them and didn't call them back, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Socrates, for his part, ends up writing like three books about how hot Alcibiades was and basically said he was the most attractive human being who ever lived. Uh, and and. To be fair, like th that sounds a little weird now, and it was a little weird in ancient Greece too. We're going to get to that later. Uh, but, you know, Socrates and Alcibiades' thing made a lot of people uncomfortable at the time, just like it would make people uncomfortable if it was a similar setup now. Socrates is much older than Alcibiades and um, was his teacher and all of this stuff. So, um, yeah. But so, yeah, so Socrates writes all these books about how Alcibiades is hot and also that, like, this guy would be the most successful man in the history of Athens if he just stopped sleeping Applied around. Applied himself. The time. What's that? Applied himself. If he just applied himself. Well, applied himself to something other than humping everybody in Athens. If he just tried to do something with his life and stopped sleeping around and think about uh, bigger things, then maybe he could uh, he could be the greatest Athenian ever. He could surpass even Pericles himself. Oh, that's a very high bar. Very high bar, yeah. Let's see if yeah. Alcibiades passes it. <laughs> mm. So... You know, like you said, your your colleague said that this guy's just kind of an ass. And yes, and being a jerk to everybody you know isn't all that badass. We don't really want to advocate that. Um, no, it's just jerk ass. Right. And But people put up with him because he was also insanely brave in combat and was a very active and bold military commander. So huh. remember, like, he's only like 20 but he Oof. yeah is... so he's like these days he would be you know what like a sophomore or junior in college right maybe. but he was yeah. an aristocrat and he wasn't he wasn't like trained in military arms and and fighting and didn't go to the military academy or whatever he was just rich and connected and when wars started happening which happens at this time uh he is an officer because that's what happens he's a he's a young strapping guy and you make him an officer because his family's rich and that's how the world worked back then mm -hmm. yeah his family um in in some sense whether like actually or symbolically his family could afford a horse mm -hmm. yeah they could also just buy you could buy your commissions buy your officer stuff yeah like he was yeah, just they can afford privileges right we don't yeah. want this guy on the on the first rank of hoplites we want him kind of in the back like making the decision so that he doesn't get stabbed he's too pretty to be stabbed in the face <laughs> oh, yeah but yeah. he is fighting in the peloponnesian war against sparta and i mean and this is kind of a serious war that takes place and he's he's going to be an active military commander in this at, at a very young age so um and, and and he's athenian he's fighting spartans who are notoriously yeah. pretty hardcore <laughs> Yes, they're very hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, military training is part of life for Spartan boys and then men. Sparta and Athens are like the two superpowers, let's say, 
in Greece at this time. Um, I say Greece, but I mean Greece, the geographical region. Politically, Greece is not a unified thing, you know. And the Peloponnesian War is about. It's about these two major city-states. They're vying for the hegemony of the Peloponnese, which is the large peninsula that Sparta is on. Um, and Sparta and Athens have two totally different ways of being a city-state. Sparta is very militaristic. Athens is democratic. And I feel like I should put in an, an asterisk here and say that being democratic in Athens, democracy in Athens doesn't mean everyone gets to vote. It means the adult male citizens who had completed military training get to vote. Also like Starship Troopers, service guarantee citizenship. <laughs> yeah, Starship Troopers, I think, is like gender neutral, gender inclusive. But aside from that, you've got citizens and then you've got, uh, what is the term? Civilians? Okay, so that's Starship Troopers. That's the Robert Heinlein novel slash movie. Um, and then you've got Sparta. Sparta is very militaristic. Athens is very democratic, you know, very democratic for the time and place. Athens has been growing in power and Sparta is a little bit nervous. And okay, I'm going to grossly oversimplify. Athens and Sparta are kind of vying for domination. Neither one wants the other one to take over. And Athens and Sparta suck other city-states into the whole conflict. They make a mess of the peninsula. I'm sorry, I'm just really glossing over the details. Right. But I mean, you know, the, we all kind of can picture the general idea here of, of Athens is the guys, the guys standing in the forum arguing about philosophy and Sparta is, is shirtless Gerard Butler kicking a guy into a hole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Now, roughly. I'm sure there were Athenians who kicked guys into holes, and I'm sure there were Spartans who had philosophical thoughts, you know. Um, but on the one hand, it's like, oh, my ideology versus your ideology. On the other hand, it's also, let's be clear, my home team versus your home team. And so some of it was ideological, and some of it was also just like, do I want to be on the winning team? You know, they had a common language and a common writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because and then we also at this time had the Persians out there. It's after the Persian Wars um, and Persia is out there. Yeah, they've been beaten. Uh, Athens and Sparta worked together to defeat the Persians. Um, but now they're kind of vying for power. The per Persia's down, but they're still around. And you really don't want them intervening on either side. Yes. Yeah. So even when the Persian Empire is down, there's still an 800 pound gorilla. Yeah. They still have way more people. They're way more money, everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Huge your yeah. navy, everything. And so Athens and Sparta are going at it. And each side in the conflict, if Persia is going to get involved, you know, my side wants Persia to support me and not the other guy. And I mention this because it will become relevant later. Okay. So for now, Sparta and Athens go to war for control of basically this region. Uh, they're two very different places uh, and they're fighting. So this war breaks out and as a prominent member of Athens and Athenian culture and, and this great poster boy for all that is great about Athens, Alcibiades has to go to war. So he becomes a commander and he volunteers to go fight the Spartans in hand-to-hand -hand combat, which is brave. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So instead of being like a coddled 
posh, aristocratic officer back in a tent somewhere making, oh my goodness, decisions. He's actually putting himself out there. He's kind of doing both. He's putting himself out there, but he has a gold-plated shield that is encrusted with jewels because he wants you to see him while he's doing He wants you to know that he's out there and he wants you to see him and he wants to reflect those jewels back in your face. <laughs> Okay, uh, part of me wants to say like what's the like tensile structure of gold? Like is gold a is gold the ideal substance for a shield to ward off Spartan arrows? I think it I think it's plated over over iron. So like it would be an iron shield but would have gold plating over top of it for the color and the the brilliance of it and then whatever jewels okay. inside of that. And jewels because um a why not? Why not? Yeah. Know? And also um I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the gold and the jewels. Maybe if you get in the right angle with the sun, maybe it'll blind your opponent. Yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's it's like an infinity gauntlet except shield form. <laughs> yes, that's how I picture it as well, honestly. And so he's fighting and he's having a lot of success, both as a commander and on the battlefield. At the Battle of Potidea, uh, he's wounded in action, but his life is saved by Socrates, who we forget Socrates. Wait, Socrates is a philosopher. Yeah, no, Socrates is a soldier also. Yeah, he's, you got to vote, right? Service guarantees citizenship. And um, so uh, Socrates saves Alcibiades' life when he's wounded in battle. And then a little bit later in 424 at the Battle of Delium, which is a big battle between the Athenians and the Spartans, um, Socrates is actually wounded in combat with the Spartans. And Alcibiades has to fight his way through a crowd of Spartans to get to him and drag uh, Socrates from the fight. Uh, so he saves Socrates' life. The commander of the, the overall commander, the general in charge of the Athenian army at the Battle of Delium, was so impressed when he saw Alcibiades with his gold-plated shield and I presume a gold-plated sword and gold-plated armor or whatever else. Kind and of jewels glinting in the sunlight. Right. When you see that, you don't picture that guy is going to be on the front lines of the battle. You picture he's going to like wear that for the parade down the streets of Athens, but not you know, into combat, you're kind of a big target when you were attacking a bunch of Spartans with your gold-plated shield. Uh, but he did it, and he charged out into combat to save his wounded um, mentor slash boyfriend slash teacher, whatever, whatever else he might have been. Slash Socrates. Slash, yeah, slash the, the yeah. most famous philosopher in human history, slash your uh, injured ally in combat, right? Your battle brother. Uh, he fights out there, and the Athenian commander was watching from his horse up on the hill as Alcibiades is fighting his way through, and he's so impressed that after the battle, he offers his daughter to Alcibiades in marriage which is a thing that I guess just happened back then. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a thing that happens. Um, I'd like to think that the daughter was okay with this. I'm just going to tell that story in my head. Yeah, I mean, it's an arranged marriage, but she scored, right? <laughs> From what it sounds like. <laughs> as far as arranged marriages go, this one's not so bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it, he cheated on her a lot, so maybe it was. Maybe, maybe she wasn't super happy with it, but... <laughs> He was also the most eligible bachelor in all of Greece. So, or all he was of... on all the magazine covers. Yeah, yeah. Even magazines hadn't been invented yet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, 
they're fighting with Sparta and the fighting, um, they're called the Peloponnesian Wars because there are many of them. Yeah. One way or another, this whole thing goes on, on and off for like two and a half decades. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Eh, yeah. So there's yeah. a, there's a peace, right? After Delium, there's a peace. Uh, Athens wins the Battle of Delium. Uh, Alcibiades is there. Uh, Athens is, is on top right now. And, um, so mostly a stalemate, but but Athens, they did better than people were expecting, right? Spartans are the war culture and people, you know, they were kind of expecting like, a, like an easy victory against these soft Athenians and the Athenians gave them a hard fight. And now there's oh a, my goodness, a stalemate. The philosophers. Yeah, yeah. But they're badass philosophers and they stopped them. Um, so the Spartans came to the Athenians and they wanted to negotiate a peace treaty. And the Athenians send all of their most charismatic Athenians to go negotiate this peace treaty. And one of them is our friend Alcibiades. Oh, he's got Riz. Yes, he's got Riz. Uh, and um, he is just a massive prick to the Spartan delegation when they come to talk to him. Humongously a jerk to them. And they decide they don't want to deal with him anymore. So they, uh, they start talking to another Athenian statesman, a guy named Nicias. Maybe um, maybe this is kind of like um, uh, good cop, bad cop, or like bad cop, good cop, or maybe like asshole cop, nice cop. That could be. You know? I mean, I, you, you yeah, really can't rule it out because they go to this guy, Nicias, and and Nicias is the, is the good cop here. And Nicias uh, negotiates the final peace deal that ends this this particular Peloponnesian War. And the Spartans announced that there is the the Peace of Nicias. Oh, so they named it after Nicias. They named it after him. Yeah. This, and, and, yeah. and how do you think Alcibiades felt about that? Oh. <laughs> Mr. Magazine Cover, Mr. It Boy, Mr. Why do why do we like this guy? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Alcibiades was extremely upset that they did not name the peace treaty after him. Uh, and he would go around uh, kind of telling everybody about how Nicias did the easy part and Alcibiades would have made a harder deal or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> I don't know. He's just such a he's just such a nut bar that I think is so funny and I love reading his stories. Okay, so Alcibiades is mad that this peace treaty has ended this way, and he's going to uh, he decides he's going to get it get sparta and he, he never forgets this this disrespect that they would announce the peace of nicias and not the peace of alcibiades he has a chip on his shoulder with respect to sparta yes and and has and has been wounded by them in battle and has fought them and has killed several spartans in battle and yeah. he's got a soft heart okay. in there as, oh yeah well, as, well I'm as many narcissists like, as, do <laughs> well yeah 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 it's like uh, okay you dissed me okay I cannot abide i'm gonna remember this yeah but we're going to stop right here for a second to hear ads, so we'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. 
You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. And we're back. Let's pick up right where we left off. War breaks out again a couple years later in 420 uh, because these two are they're still, they're still the two biggest ones on the on the block. And there there's naval confrontations, there's land confrontations, there's cultural confrontations. Uh, eventually, war breaks out again, and Alcibiades is made a general this time. He's made like a big high level commander in the Athenian military. And so despite his jerkitude, or maybe because of his jerkitude, he's risen up the ranks. Yeah, I picture him being, you know, like, I don't know, even down to like the the bling and everything, right? Like I picture him being like an athlete on a sports team that is like extremely outspoken and like very kind of aggressive. If that guy's on your team, you love him. But if he's not on your team, you hate him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. You made the sports team analogy earlier. And that's kind of how I think about this guy is like, if he's on your team, you just like, oh, that guy, he's awesome. You know, he's so he cracks me up. But if you're Spartan, you're like this guy, we got to fucking get this guy like he's he's got to die. <laughs> uh, yes. OK, so at 420, the war starts. Alcibiades is 30 and he's a general. Uh, he and the, his wife have had two kids that they're raising and, um, he's still rich. He's still good looking. People are still writing about him. He's still writing about other things. Uh, anyway, he's a, he's, he never stopped sleeping around. He cheated on her basically immediately and continues to throughout his rest of his life. But, uh, you know, that's Alcibiades for you. 
so a couple of years pass and Alcibiades is sitting there stewing and he's mad about the Spartans and he wants another Peloponnesian war. So he's going to get Sparta if it's the last thing he does. And what he wants to do is in 420, he starts giving speeches. At this point, he's a general in the army. So he's shown enough promise as a junior officer that they've made him a general. And now he wants to kind of stick it to the Spartans. And what he wants to do is attack Syracuse, a powerful city-state on Sicily, and they have allied with the Spartans. And Alcibiades is convinced that they got to pay for it. So he starts giving all of these big speeches to the Athenians saying that if we can take Sicily, then we'll have timber for our ships. There will be trade. We can we can open our trade rate lanes into, into the Italian peninsula. We can expand. We can maybe become an Athenian empire. Everyone is going to be happy. We're going to be rich. Uh, you know, like we'll have kind of box Sparta in. We'll have... Athens to the to the east and Sicily to the west, like we'll box them in, we can contain them. Uh, this will be great. And he starts giving all these big speeches. And he's a very good speech giver. He's a very charismatic guy. And people are on board with it. One guy who's not on board with this is our friend Nicias. Do you remember him? In the piece of oh, Nicias? Oh yeah, the guy, the piece of Nicias. <laughs> not the piece of Alcibiades, but the piece of Nicias. Yeah, okay. that guy's like, hey, I just negotiated a peace treaty like two years ago. Maybe we shouldn't just immediately immediately declare war on Sparta again. It kind of goes against that treaty that 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 piece of Nicias. Uh, so he starts arguing with Alcibiades. There's some debates. There's a vote because we are in a democracy. And the Athenian military council decides, OK, here's the deal. We're going to send 6,000 guys on 60 ships to attack Sicily. We're going to get Sicily because all of that stuff about Athenian power and, and wealth and timber and all that stuff, that sounds great. Uh, we can open up trade with the Italian peninsula. We can control the waterways. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the compromise is that both Alcibiades and Nicias will be in charge of commanding the attack and they'll have equal power over the campaign. They will be co-generals of the Athenian army uh, for this for this military endeavor. How does that work out? <laughs> well, Alcibiades has a um, he has a symposium. Dude, he's going to party. He is going to have a symposium, which is just a drunken party at the house of somebody Alcibiades knows that doesn't mind having their house trashed. That having their house trashed by Alcibiades is something that he can like brag to his neighbors about later, yeah. right? And yeah. all these guys go there, they start drinking, they get blindingly drunk. They take the party outside, they're drinking, they're doing all this stuff. And Alcibiades and his friends, they're having this revelry. They're having this party. They're all getting completely annihilated. They storm out into the streets of Athens, screaming and yelling. And Alcibiades starts running down the main street of Athens naked, pulling all of the penises off the statues on the main street of Athens. According to his arrest record, he profaned the mysteries of Eleusis, which sounds like he exposed himself to Persephone or something. And when the Athenians woke up the next morning, they found an entire pantheon of neutered gods, uh, and they were very unhappy with the results of Alcibiades' drunken partying. Oof. The sailors and marines that were going to go on the mission with him, they thought it was a bad omen. But Alcibiades... I would too, honestly. Yeah, Alcibiades denied everything. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. I wasn't there. I don't know where those penises went. Um, he demanded an immediate trial right now. You can try me right now, right here on the spot. 
the the Athenian council said they weren't quite ready to begin a trial immediately. And so he was like, all right, well, then I'm off. I'm commanding this army and see you later. See you in Sicily. Sails off immediately to go fight Spartans. Okay, so I want to intervene here and just say to our listeners that this is not just a joke that Ben came up with for the show. This is a real thing. It's known as the desecration of the Herms or the mutilation of the Herms. And the term. <laughs> I love herm, that there's I didn't know there was a name for this before like we started doing this episode. You started doing you were like, oh, it's the desecration of the Herms. I was like, oh my oh, god, yeah, I love that that's what it's called. That. I yeah. love that this guy was his drunken vandalism has like a name that has lasted through history. It has a name. And it's the desecration of the Herms. It's the desecration of the Herms. And so the term Herm, I just like it rhymes, you know. So a Herm is a specific type of statue. It probably originated as a form of boundary marker, like, you know, my property versus my neighbor's property. Um, The Greek word is Herma. So it's um, picture a chunky rectangular pillar with a head on top. it's kind of like a Pez dispenser, except the heads on Pez dispensers are bigger than the like column. For these herms, the head is about as wide as the rectangular column. So you've got a rectangular column, and on top of that is a head. And then uh, partway down the herm is a stylized representation of a penis. And that's it. It's just... Those That's are the it. only yeah, two yeah. lifelike pieces represented. It's just a rectangle. A head and junk. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. And he pulled off the yeah. junk. Apparently. I mean. Or, or allegedly. 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 He because, I mean, it. he denied it. He denied it. You know? I don't know what happened to him. I happened to be drunkenly partying down that street that night. Yeah. Yeah. But, don't look um, in the river. Genitalia, genitalia were yanked. And so Alcibiades, when they don't give him a trial, they go to war. He goes to war. Okay. And these, these, okay, I, these, stone, these statues were made out of marble. He okay? was the sitting like, commander of the Athenian army. <laughs> he was the commander in chief of the Athenian military. And he took a freaking hammer <laughs> or chisel or some kind of tool, probably. I have no idea. Unless he was extremely strong. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, these are not cheap plastic Pez dispensers. Apologies to Pez dispensers. Um, Also, Pez dispensers do not have anatomical features that we are talking about here. (laughs) That's the bachelorette Um, party version. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah, these are are marble statues. Yeah. And so he goes... He set sail with 6,000 soldiers and 60 ships to go fight Spartan forces on the island of Sicily. <laughs> and he wins. He wins two battles against the Spartans. He's fighting naval battles off the coast of Sicily. And naval battles at this time are like a bunch of guys rowing, like one of those ships with the big eye on the front of it, on the prow. Guys with like oars. You just literally row your ship and crash into the other ship and then run on board the other ship and start fighting. Uh, you know, a hoplite armor with the skirt and the helmet with the crest on it and stuff. He's got that golden shield. They're fighting, their ships are on fire. They're having these huge battles off the coast of Syracuse and Alcibiades is winning them. He's beating the Spartans at sea and in hand-to-hand combat, which is unheard of, right? He knows what he's doing. He's crushing it. And, uh, yeah. and then he gets a letter. 
comes to his cabin. He's he's won these two battles. He's defeated the Spartan Navy. He's about to launch the ground assault on the city of Syracuse itself, which is very fortified, very difficult. Um, uh, we have taught you just were talking about kind of women wanting to be a little bit effaced or having how that's more noble or whatever. I don't know that the women wanted to be effaced, okay. but society kind of put them in an effaced sort of position. The defense yeah. of Syracuse, the writings about the defense of Syracuse mention lots of women by name. There are these Spartan women who are there and women allied with the Spartans. They're out there digging trenches. They're organizing the women of the city into military formations to fight these Athenians, to fight off Alcibiades probably. <laughs> but but yeah, like there's a lot of women who are named in the defense of Syracuse because they're very, the entire city is coming together to try to defend. Alcibiades is in his planning session trying to figure out how he's going to attack this town with all these trenches and earthworks and everything. And he gets a letter and the letter says, hey, we gave you a trial while you were gone for that mutilation Ooh. of the Herms. And bad news, you were found guilty in absentia. And now you have to return to Athens so that you can be executed. Okay, so if I were Alcibiades, mm -hmm. um, would I have any motivation whatsoever to return to Athens hmm. in person? Well... With my actual self. Your wife and mentor and family and all of your friends and whatever are there? Okay, on the one hand, yes. But then you would just die On the other hand, so no. condemned to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. you are the general of the Athenian army. You are Alsa a respectable person. You are supposed to do the honorable thing and return to mm -hmm. Athens and face your punishment like a man. Uh, that is the very Greek thing okay. to do or a very honorable thing to do. So did Alcibiades return home to do I don't know, to do the honorable thing? Did he cowboy up and return home to face his due punishment, his condign punishment? I've always wanted to use that word condign. Uh, as we know from history, his mentor Socrates did in fact face his own punishment. Is that what Alcibiades did? He did not. <laughs> ah. He got in a rowboat, rode over to Syracuse, and offered his services to the Spartans. He said, hey. The anti-Athenians. Yes. He said, guess oh. what? I have all of the Athenian military plans on how we're going to attack Syracuse. Would you like to see them? <laughs> he showed up, offered his services to the king of Sparta, and gave up a bunch of Athenian state secrets. He drew out the entire Athenian plan of attack for the Sicilian campaign, told the Spartans which fortresses to reinforce, which ones were going to be attacked. He even offered to lead the Spartan army into battle. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Hey. And, and here's the weird thing, right? So, so Alcibiades has left. He's fled. He's wanted for death. He's, he flees. He flees to the Spartans. They don't, the Athenians, to their credit, they don't know where he's gone, but he's gone. Yeah. Nicias, remember how I said Alcibiades might have just felt like he could steamroll Nicias? Alcibiades makes these plans to attack Syracuse, and Nicias executes them exactly as written. So Alcibiades, who has the plans, you know, in his head or maybe maybe in written form, who knows? Alcibiades, who knows these plans like the back of his hand, he responds to them. He's personally leading the attacks on the weakest parts of the Athenians. The Athenians do exactly what that Alcibiades told him to do, he's playing both sides of the chessboard, right? And he, and so he crushes them. He, Alci Nicias, like, 
gets crushed. He gets annihilated. This is, people of Syracuse defend all of those 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 women who are building the trenches and reinforcing mm-hmm. the cities. Yeah, Alcibiades yeah. joins them on the walls of Syracuse and is like, actually, we're going to need some more trenches over here because they're going to try to sweep around this way. And when Nikia shows up, they, they crush him. Alcibiades leads the Spartan army into battle. He's fighting with the Spartans. He's, comm- he's a junior officer in the Spartan army. He leads them into battle against the Athenians, crushes them. Nikias dies in battle. Which Ugh. super sucks because remember he didn't even want to be there. <laughs> he didn't even want to be there in the first place. And yeah, okay, okay, so that's, that's going on. Yeah, the, this the Syracuse campaign, the Sicilian campaign is a humongous catastrophe for Athens. Many of those six thousand men do not make it home. Nicias does not make oh. it home. Alcibiades oh. wins. Sparta wins. He's now on the winning side of two Peloponnesian wars, even though different city states won those two wars. That's Alcibiades. So this is also mm-hmm. Alcibiades. He has sex with the Queen of Sparta. The Queen of Sparta, as in the wife of the King of Sparta. As in the wife of the King of Sparta, she gets pregnant by Alcibiades. How does this go over? Not well. Oh. Uh, King of Sparta decides we need to get this Alcibiades guy, and we need to cut his head off and put it on a spike and parade it around Sparta. But that's the plan. Alcibiades is going to get cake popped now in in Sparta and in Athens. Uh, yeah, so the Queen of Sparta has an affair with him. She gets pregnant. She has the kid who lives. Yeah, and I feel like that's worth mentioning because, you know, in maybe some other time and place, they might have, you know, given the kid to, like, wolves or bears to be eaten or something. But here, they let the son live uh, because, honestly, why throw away a good potential soldier, honestly? Um but does he get full like Prince of Sparta recognition? No, no, he does not. He is um he is not he does not inherit the throne, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the the son of, of Alcibiades and Timea, Queen of Sparta, uh does not inherit the throne, though he does live. But King Aegis II is definitely down to kill Alcibiades. He's ready to to finish this guy off. So if you're Alcibiades, what do you do? Everybody wants you dead. My guess is that since this is Alcibiades, um, I'm fuzzy on the details, but I'm guessing he somehow manages to survive and thrive. He does his thing. He runs away and he goes to Persia. Goes to the Persian Empire. Oh, whoops. You yep. mean the guys we fought against back in the previous war? Mm-hmm. Yep, he becomes friends with a Persian governor named Tissaphernes. And uh, he goes down there and he's like, okay, well, remember how we were talking about how Persia was even bigger and stronger than Athens or Sparta? Uh, Maybe he'll be safe here. He can go to Persia. Make friends with the 800-pound gorilla? Yeah. Yeah, so he goes there. Uh-huh. And the 800-pound gorilla in this uh, in this example is is the Persian... Uh, he's a governor. They call him a satrap, but uh, Tissaphernes. He becomes friends. Tisferni sees him because Alcibiades is one of the most famous people in the world. Uh, yeah. and He's on the magazine covers. Right. Tisferni sees yeah. him and Alcibiades is like, hey, you should ally with Athens and fight Sparta. How does Tisferni respond? Tisferni is like, no, that's a terrible idea. The Athenians hate us. They have democracy, so they have to vote for us to help them. And they're never going to vote to join for us to join them even though they want to beat sparta they're never going to vote to like work with the persians like they hate us uh and so this this doesn't work and sorry buddy you're gonna have to go back okay so 
so Alcibiades, at least right now, is playing the pro-Athenian line. It's like, hey, can I try to maybe kind of get this Persian dude to like help Athens? Right. He's got more contacts and more connections in Athens, right? So he, I think the Athenians are more likely to take him back. The king of Sparta okay. wants to kill him for sleeping with his wife. That's a harder one to come back from than like you pulled the dicks off the gods. Okay, yeah. Right? Although that's not great. That was a little further in the past. And so maybe they've forgotten about that. Maybe it'll blow yeah, over. And it's not against a specific human. Right. Yeah. There okay, are some okay, nobles yeah, okay. in, you know, in Athens who probably still like him. So that's the, if you, he doesn't want to live in Persia. He wants to go back to Greece. So those are your options. Then you're not going to, what are you going to go with Thebes? Those guys? Can't sing. Yeah, those can't guys talk. are flute players. Yeah. <laughs> they should be playing flutes. Yeah. Okay, so Alcibiades, he's like his horizon of expectations or whatever is like, hey, I'm. If I can still convince the Persians to join yeah. Athens and work together to defeat the Spartans, that should win me over, right? Like, even if they're mad at me, they're not going to be mad if I can help them win this war by getting the 800 pound gorilla on their side. Cool. Problem is, they've got this democracy thing, they're never going to vote for it. Alcibiades is like, yeah, I'll be right back. So Alcibiades is trying to broker, finagle, cajole, maneuver, some sort of alignment somehow right. between and, Athens and Persia. Yeah. Yes. And the way he decides to do that is by overthrowing Athenian democracy. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Save his own so, skin. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> And yeah, Tissaphernes did not think that a democratic government would support the Persians. So Alcibiades like, okay, yeah, I'm going to overthrow the democratic government. going to change the government so that I won't be yeah, murdered. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Athens is not 100% pro-Alcibiades at this point, And Alcibiades knows this. So he's trying to see what he can do without setting foot in Athens proper. He meets up with some of the Athenian army stationed on the island of Samos. Alcibiades knew that there were several aristocrats who were disgruntled with the way things were going in Athens, especially with the way the Sicilian expedition had turned out. So... Da, da, da. Were these disgruntled aristocrats going to stage a coup on their own, even if Alcibiades hadn't shown up. Thucydides thinks that they might have. Some modern scholars think they might not have. Be that as it may, there were, you know, certain parties, certain elements in Athens who were ready for Alcibiades when he shows up. Um, some of them weren't interested in setting up an oligarchy per se, but they did think that it was a good idea to get Alcibiades back and using his particular skill set in service of Athens. <laughs> and um, so Alcibiades, he tells the Athenians that he's BFFs with Tissaphernes. And his best friend Tissaphernes wants an oligarchy running things in Athens. Um, oligarchy, not democracy, because that's the way the Persians like to do things. And also pragmatically, the Persians specifically Tissaphernes, might realize that hmm, the democracy in Athens might not be pro-Persian, but if there's an oligarchy, maybe there's more influence, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and some of these Athenian aristocrats think it might actually be a good idea to have Tissaphernes, the Persian, on their side, A, because he's supporting Athens, and also B, because he's very much not supporting Sparta in this potential development. And isn't it convenient that our boy Alcibiades 
for certain highly fluctuating values of our boy is so tight with Tissaphernes. So Alcibiades manages to win over some Athenian holdouts by changing his rhetoric. So instead of saying, hey, I want to set up an oligarchy, he's like, oh, hey, I think we can make this work if we just like tweak a little thing here and there and let's just dial down the democracy a bit. Just like how all tyrants begin, right? <laughs> Yeah. So I just yeah. want to make a little changes to the constitution, just a, mm -hmm. just a little one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one thing leads to another, and this is the coup that results in establishing the 400. And apparently we like naming numerical quantities. Mm -hmm. So who are Round the 400? Yeah, round numbers, yes. Yeah, they're an oligarchic council. They're very anti-democratic. And here's the thing. The Athenian navy objects. So the 400 were soon replaced by the 5,000, which was more moderate. Mm -hmm. Okay, both of these were one way or another kind of oligarchic. None of this lasts more than a year, though. So if you kind of rewind a little bit to the 400, he got the 400, the pro-Persian oligarchy installed, so he could show to Zephernes, the Persian governor, that Athens would be receptive to Persian support, which is a fancy way of saying Persian influence. So Alcibiades incites a coup that creates a revolution in Athens that for one year changes their system of government from Athenian democracy, kind of the, the basis for like the rough basis for how we run modern governments today changes it into an oligarchy, which is a government run by a small group of elites for one year so that he personally can be accepted back into Athens without being murdered, which is what happens. They throw him a parade when he returns to town. They drop all charges. They give him a parade so down the main street. accepted, but embraced. Yes, they give him a parade down the street where he pulled all the dicks off. They make him the commander-in-chief of the Athenian navy. They build statues to him while he's still alive. What is the deal with this guy? He must have been really, really fun to talk to. He must have been really charismatic in person. Because <laughs> on paper, this is bonkers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So Alcibiades is now the commander of the Athenian army. We are still in a Peloponnesian war here. We're still going to fight against the Spartans. He leads the Athenian fleet in an attack against the Spartan navy in the Hellespont. He is defeating them in a series of battles, and it's 410 BC now. He smashes them, he breaks their hold on the Black Sea, he defeats them in a series of battles, opens up the Black Sea for Athenian trade, whereas the, the Spartans had it before. He takes the fleet north, he fights the Persians, which, that seems like a bad idea, but he, they, some of the, some, well, well, okay, it's a little bit more complicated than that because um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. the different Persian governors had their different alliances. Some of them were holding, some of them didn't quite get on board with the, the, the Athenians. Some of them still like the Spartans. He defeats a Persian force up there at Abdios. He recaptures Byzantium from Persia for uh, Athens and returns home as his conquering hero. They give him a huge triumph through the streets of Athens in 407. Whoa, they make him Stratagos Autocrater. I don't think I'm saying that correctly. Which is a 
Strategos Autocrator. Yeah, sounds okay. good to me. Yeah. Which is a big fancy title for honestly a big fancy role. Yeah. It's yeah. the overall commander yeah. of all Athenian military forces, land, sea, and air. He's the greatest hero that Athens has seen in their in their time since the the, the defeat of the, the first Persian invasion in, in 480. Uh he's a huge hero. He beat the he beat the Spartans, he beat the Persians that allied with the Spartans, he took freaking Constantinople. Um, this is a big deal. Woo! Yeah. Everything's coming up Alcibiades. Yes, yes. So it does, doesn't last long. But for that oh, moment, no. he's a great hero. Yeah. The Spartan Navy regroups. They close in for a battle. And Alcibiades, we've seen him repeatedly be a military genius. He's a lot of things. Not Many of them, like, not complimentary. But he is a military leader that is very competent. He hasn't lost any battles that he has uh, he's commanded. And he puts together a plan to crush the last remnants of the Spartan Navy. He leaves his helmsman, who's the guy who drives the, the flagship, this guy's name Antiochus. He leaves him in charge of 80 ships. He parks his fleet, tells like the, the fleets in these days, they follow the flagship. The flagship's the ship that the commander's on. They assume the commander is there, leading their guys personally into battle which when you think about that makes a lot of these naval battles even more heroic for Alcibiades because he's leading the troops in. Yeah. So he's like he's like putting a target on his own back or right, his own right, chest right. He's, or whatever. He's yeah, spearheading yeah. the attacks, right? And so he's on the main ship and he sneaks off the main ship. He leaves the this the helmsman. He's like, "All right, stay here, don't do anything. No matter what, don't do anything. I'm going to sneak off and do something cool." So he sneaks off, he goes across the Aegean, uh, organizes a smaller uh, Athenian force to attack the Spartans in Asia Minor, hoping to draw them away out of this out of this area so that maybe he can set up a trap, right? Oh, Alcibiades, we saw Alcibiades, he's not with the fleet, he's over here instead. And it might have worked, except that Antiochus decided he was a military genius and led the attack by himself, even though he was a helmsman and was not in any way rated to fight the Spartan Navy or lead this attack. So, so wait a minute. So Antiochus attacked the Spartan Navy. Attacked the Spartan Navy. He's got 80 ships. He's got more ships than the Spartans have. But okay. he, I don't know. Maybe he just got tired of waiting for Alcibiades. Maybe he didn't get the memo. Maybe he just failed at his one. He had one... one job. His one job was to not attack the Spartans. Yes. Yeah. And he failed at it. And uh, maybe, yeah, I don't know why, but he thought maybe he saw an opening, but... He had no orders to do so, and he attacks the Spartans. And he's not a military genius, and he's crushed, and the entire fleet is destroyed. No! Yeah. He's oh. crushed. The Spartans have a huge victory. Alcibiades is stripped of command because he neglected his duties and left the entire fleet in command of a guy who was not rated to command it. Um, and he left his fleet in the hands of a moron to go attack a castle in Thrace and was defeated. And the Spartans end up winning the Peloponnesian War. They pull down the city walls of Athens. They, you know, end Athens as a military power in Greece for at least the next decade or two. Um, and that's that's kind of that's how that ends. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now the Spartans are in charge of Athens and Alcibiades isn't safe anywhere because. Yeah. That, yeah. The... He's pissed off everyone. OK, so Sparta is in command of everything now and. Timaea has given birth to the son of Alcibiades. Uh, his name is Leotokides of Sparta. Uh, he is 
they you know they call him a prince but he's never going to inherit and uh, yeah. uh the ages this king ages the second he's, he's he still hasn't forgotten about about this uh he he wants to get Alcibiades. so okay Alcibiades, where's he gonna go he flees back to persia uh oh persia yeah okay he goes back to persia and he tries to tell tisiphernes to attack sparta go to war with sparta how did that go Disfernes mm, and everybody else are sick of Alcibiades' shit, and uh, they decide. Uh, everybody yeah. just decides this guy's this is this guy's got to go. He's more trouble than he's worth. More trouble than he's worth. Uh, uh. So in 404 BCE, uh, Alcibiades is at home. He's in some. I mean, this guy like. All of his friends have kind of deserted him, but he's still rich. He still has influence. He still has money. He's in a probably a pretty nice, I picture like a pretty nice house on the beach it, overlooking, you know, the Mediterranean. He's in Persia. Oh, yeah. It's a nice yeah. spot, right? But it's not quite what he was hoping for. He's there. I'm sure there's various other people there with him relaxing, but um, he's, a bowl of olives, he's, glass of wine. Yeah, yeah. he's got some Good life, his silk sheets. Know, yeah. yeah, and then he starts to smell something. Some smells like it's burning. Maybe somebody left the oven on. And uh, no, no, somebody has set the house on fire. There's a crackling. There's a fire. There's a glow. There's the sounds of voices outside. People are circling around. Angry voices. Uh, and Alcibiades realizes that. He's surrounded and his house is on fire and there's probably some screaming from some of the people in the house but Alcibiades some versions say he was laying in bed others he was in the bath he jumps up he's a warrior in any case he's not really very clothed he's not clothed Certainly at not all armored. he's completely yeah. naked he jumps up does he take the time to put on his armor no he's gonna go out the way he lived he grabs a sword and he runs outside completely naked and just starts fighting everybody out there. There's a bunch of guys out there, right? A bunch of a bunch of dudes trying to stab at him with spears and stuff. He's fighting everybody. He's wounding a bunch of a bunch of them. He's he's fighting really well. He's uh he wounds a couple guys, he kills a couple of them. Uh they eventually flee him and start shooting them with bows and arrows. And they get him. He gets wounded a few times. They they eventually throw a javelin at him and kill him. Uh, he's oh, so he, yeah. He died uh, how he lived, naked and screaming. <laughs> uh, the identities of his killers were never discovered. Some people think, bum, bum, bum. yeah, it's a great mystery of the ancient world. Some uh, people think that they were Spartan assassins sent by Aegis II in a vengeance mission. Some of them think that they may have been sent by the Persians. Maybe they were the Herms come to life to get revenge. <laughs> that is a joke. I, that is a, that is actually a joke. I made that up. Yes, but it is also like not a great idea to pull the penises off of gods. That seems like the kind of karma that comes back to get you eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least one ancient source says that Alcibiades was sleeping with one of the local girls in the area and her brother found out and assembled a posse to go kill him, which seems plausible. Okay. I mean, to be fair, the king of Sparta had a vaguely similar idea. Yeah. And like, uh, the, that's kind of the end of him. We don't know who got him. He pissed off enough people. Could have been Athenians, could have been Persians, could have been politically motivated, could have been personally motivated, could have been any number of reasons. A lot of people wanted, they could have all come together and everybody standing outside the house that night was a different person that had been personally slighted by Alcibiades <laughs> waiting to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, 
but he dies here and that's kind of the end of his story like you said your colleague said that he was an ass and not a badass and i will not even begin to argue that i think that he was an ass to such a monumental and hilarious degree that it makes the story <laughs> so funny and so uh -huh. like he transcends yeah. this guy's yeah. just a jerk and becomes like actually this is pretty fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah this guy's life was so, here's a great this guy's life was so nuts that you said before socrates uh very famously he drinks the hemlock he's condemned to death for being yeah. unathenian or whatever reasons he's convicted corrupting for corrupting the youth of athens yes yes so he yeah. has to drink hemlock and kill himself that's his punishment but Alcibiades' life was so crazy and off the rails that when Socrates was standing trial for corrupting the youth of Athens, uh, it, it's eventually like what he gets executed for. One of the prime examples that was repeatedly presented by the prosecution during the trial was that Socrates was friends with Alcibiades. So like, obviously, <laughs> this guy's corrupting the youth of Athens. <laughs> his friendship yeah. with Alcibiades was the, one of the main contributing factors to his death. Which, Your Honor, I present Exhibit A. A for Alcibiades. Yes, just this. Here's a picture of them standing together. Here's the thing that he wrote about Alcibiades being hot. Tell me this is not corrupting the youth of Athens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's Alcibiades. That's Alcibiades. He's like one of the biggest jerks in classical history and maybe of all of history. Uh, but and also competent in his own way. Amazingly competent at being a jerk and also like good at warfare and politics and convincing people to do things. It's kind of a common yeah. theme that we've been coming across with a lot of our our episodes that we've been doing is like this guy was extremely charismatic and we can't really understand why because they <laughs> yeah i get real there. like la Maupin vibes from alcibiades huh yeah 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 <laughs> anyway that's alcibiades uh i think he's yeah. pretty badass i hope you guys yeah. will at least see where i'm coming from when we when when i say that um and yeah we uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to it. We really hope that you will like and subscribe and uh, and leave us some some likes and some comments and all of this stuff. Everything that you guys do really helps the show out, and we we appreciate it. See you on the next one. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Stay badass. Badass of the week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me Pat Larish, and my co-host Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.